0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Derek. And Derek, before we get started today, you know what I realized the other day? What was that? We don't say thank you enough. Mm. We don't say thank you to our wonderful listeners out there, for everybody who has subscribed, for everyone who follows us on LinkedIn and the occasional time that we tweet <laughs> and like those tweets, um, right. I want to say thank you for everybody who's bought a sticker, for everybody who tells their friend. Uh, we really appreciate that. And, you know, like we said, we don't have any sponsors, so we just do this for fun. And that is payment enough, Derek. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody out there.
1: Appreciate you, as we used we to we always say. ask
0: people to do stuff for us, but we haven't ever thanked anybody yet, so... Episode 30, I think this is episode 30 or 31, I can't remember. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's it. Thanks, y'all. Cool, man. Um, so thank you for liking and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for going to retrotimepodcast.com slash stickers and getting yourself some stickers. And thank you for telling all your all your, your buddies at work about Retro Time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Absolutely. So Derek, what's been going on, man? How you been? We haven't talked in a couple weeks. I was out of town last week.
1: Yeah, man, I was, out. I was out to, a little man? bit last week myself, man. I went camping. Camping? Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. First time in, I think, my life. When I was a kid once, we really? went camping in this guy's backyard. I was a blow, which is like a low-level Boy Scout. I remember, yeah. Before remember, they yeah, teach yeah, you how to how scout. to actually chop a piece of wood. You have to go <laughs> through like an initiation. And it was actually in the backyard of this girl. So it was her brother who was in the scout troop. And this girl <laughs> I had a crush on. And she kept coming out, and I kept running back into my tent. I got real nervous. Um, Wait, you had
0: a girl with you on your Boy Scout trip? She
1: lived in the house. We were we were camping in someone's backyard. Um, oh, yeah in my this in my little neighborhood.
0: city the, the urban uh, Boy Scouts urban Boy Scouts yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> urban Scouts we used to call us um, no, that's no so yeah um, city Scouts that's what they city call Scouts. It. but yeah it was it was a different experience this time we went down to a little place um, in Kentucky but I was curious have you ever been camping before?
0: Oh, dude, all the time, man. I oh, yeah? used to go camping, like, just, oh, yeah, all the time. Rain, shine, hot, cold. Um, I, I love camping, man. I, we've got, like, a basement full of camping gear that um, we haven't used since we moved up here. That's one of the things I think I'm most excited about moving up here to the Midwest. There's so many places close by to do, like, really awesome camping trips, national parks, all kinds of stuff like that. Actual, like, mountains, actual waterfalls, actual on, dude. rocks. You know, down in New Orleans, like the closest place you could go camping was like three hours out of the city, and it was you know, uh, Southern Mississippi. Basically, was was the best place to go camping. Um, last time uh, we went camping, we tried to go camping with Arlo when he was two. So this was mm-hmm. like about a year ago. So this is I swore I'd never go camping with a, a two year old again. Um it was so <laughs> miserable dude. he just like he would run off. He would just run off in the woods by himself laughing thinking it was funny and um it was just impossible to enjoy it. Like we I couldn't build a fire cuz he was just like he would try to like grab the sticks out of the fire. It was just so it was it was stressful. It was very stressful. Um <laughs> yeah, that was the last time. Fun. Yeah, that was the last time uh we went camping. Amy's not big on like tent camping. Um so we we haven't really done a ton of tent camping but I mean, I started dating. I used to go backpacking all the time. Um, I had a good friend, Ash, who was a, an Eagle Scout, actually, and he was like the best person to go on camping trips with because you knew, you knew you'd knew you at least survive if you got lost in the woods, you know? Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, dude. Oh, God. I love camping. Yeah. I can't wait to go camping out here.
1: Yeah, dude. It was... Uh, so it's funny you say Eagle Scout. I actually went on a camping trip with an Eagle Scout last week, the one I was oh, nice. just talking about. So we went down to Kentucky, went to a place called Mammoth Cave. Yeah. Uh and I tell you, we, we arrived there, we got out, uh, we put our stuff down. I was like, all right, where do I put my stuff? He's like, I got two camping sites right next to each other. And I'm like, this guy's prepared, just like the Boy Scouts told him to be. There you go. Well prepared. And then all these other people start showing up. So it was like this, it was a campsite, you know, where a bunch of people go. And I was like, oh, this is how this is. I didn't expect to see a lot of people here. I mean, it was like there were families showing up and guys with like, it basically, it was it. Would, it looked like the cast from um, what was that show where they had like the main character had a big beard. It was from the South, yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know. It was like 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 it was like a, a a bunch of truckers basically. Okay, all showed up at the same time with their trucker wives and their trucker kids, uh, and they were all nice people, it seemed. But boy, did they uh, love taking their shirts off and um and playing loud country music.
0: Uh, boy, did they love it. Oh, wow. Okay. So
1: it was a little bit different than I was anticipating. I thought we were going to be a little bit secluded. We weren't, but that's okay. Yeah,
0: those campsites like that, especially like national parks, they actually fill up pretty often, and you've got to book them in advance a lot of times, well, in advance, because they'll fill up.
1: And uh, Yeah, so we had like a spot right in the back. Like it was like tucked away. Um, So we had a little bit of seclusion, but it wasn't so intense. Uh, But it was intense, as it were. Uh, it was, intense. You know it is. was so it intense. It was intense. We got there. We set up. We had a nice first day. It rained a little bit, you know, on the first day. We saw a big rain band coming. Kind of kind of skirted away. Oh, I was like, oh, man, got lucky. Yeah. Got lucky. Second day comes around. Pretty good weather. We go to Mammoth Cave, which is this beautiful cave. We go deep underground. Boom. It's like massive. Crazy. All these Native Americans lived in there, carved the walls. This is the abri- bridge version. <laughs> Stuff was on the walls. It was cold. Beautiful. It was really yeah. nice, like 50 degrees. It was wonderful. Chilly uh, for a New Orlander. That's where as I remember us being called. And that was a nice day. We get back. This is the second night, okay? We're going to bed. Put the kids in the tents. So we're sitting out, grabbing our, uh, our beersies and things. Mm-hmm. Got the fire That's lit. It. About to get my guitar going to play a little ditty. Of course. Starts storming. Not just regular storm, Jeremy. Tropical yeah. winds.
0: That's the, the tent, oh, the tent
1: starts shaking. The canopy starts shaking. We have to hold it down so it yeah. doesn't fly away. This is 45 minutes of us holding it down. <laughs> Everything's getting wet. We're putting tarps over things. It's, get, it's like torrential rain. The band was coming up like jackknifing us of this storm. So all night we were in the red or yellow all night. During that, in the distance, there were some guys. Uh, big beards. Um, of course. Limited teeth. Okay. Okay? <laughs> Not sure. I didn't get the chance to see how many. I didn't get a chance to count, but it was like, you know, count it on your hands. Ten people. Okay. Nice people. Look in the distance. Okay. Loud country music starts playing. No power. Every all, like, It looks like all the power is out all around. Loud country music starts playing. Then... The fire they they lit was underneath the canopy, and they start throwing like gasoline on it or something. So just the going, canopy, whoa. like was this like an oak, like did
0: you have like a, a structure that was built there for each campsite? Or no. They, was like they, a, had, they were they lit a fire under their yeah tent
1: yeah something crazy so okay. Okay. It just
0: uh, insane so it <laughs> started <insane>. so
1: <laughs> then they start throwing gasoline on it and then I start hearing eeho <laughs> and I'm like whoa. This is getting pretty intense. And then oh, there are these hipsters next door to us who start talking really loud when my kids are trying to sleep. Um, while it's torrential rainstorm, then fireworks start going off in the distance. Like big oh, like God. explosion fireworks. Like they lit off one of the ones that's supposed to be in the air on the ground. And then a God. little baby starts crying in another tent. All these things happening together. And I'm like, you know what? I could have stayed home.
0: I could have that sounds home. awful. That is like the opposite of a relaxing camping trip. Could have been better. camping trip should be relaxing. The um, good
1: parts were great. So the parts yeah. where uh, my buddy who was an Eagle Scout would cook us breakfast, cook us dinner. He made a pineapple upside down cake on a on a, uh, a basically a, an oven that he created from coals. And he yeah. put them on top and bottom, you know, and he made a pineapple upside down like cake. That was pretty oven, unreal. Like cast iron he made jambalaya for yeah. us. Oh, that was delicious. So there were great parts of it. But you know what? I thought about something, Jeremy. You know what I thought about Tell me. Tell me. Before I left, I was a little anxious about going because I knew it was going to be rainy. And I was like, I haven't been camping in years. Having it be the first time being a super rainy. Maybe that's not the time to go. But then I thought about it. and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna give it a shot. Cause how bad could it be? Got my family, got some people, got an Eagle Scout. I mean, you got an Eagle Scout, got an Eagle Scout. you'll at least survive. Turns out, after after everything bad would happen, he he kept saying, "I thought that was it." <laughs> I was like, "You thought that was it? You're telling me I'm the one that's holding it together? <laughs> You're the Eagle Scout?" No, he was he was oh, great. Oh man, he was great. But uh, that's awesome. Without him, I don't think we would have survived. So um, we get I think back. I we get back. Um, and I was talking to my wife, and I was like, you know, I don't regret going. If I if I went back in time, and like as as kind of almost traumatic as some of those experiences were, almost like every single fear I had about going into the, going and camping, like all the annoyances, all the bugs, all the things that I thought were going to be a problem, like were, and yet I wouldn't have changed it. It was kind of like I, I was uh, thinking, yeah, okay. you know, maybe this is something I could bring back. To the team, to my team, and be like, you know, we're gonna get through a lot of things. We're gonna push through, and at the end, it's gonna be like, you know, a lot of our fears were realized, and it was like a big effing right, mess, right, right. but it was worth doing. Like we experienced all that. Like I have a story now about the, the the fire and the music and this this experience, and I learned a lot from it. Like I now I've seen how to make a pineapple upside down cake outside. I would have never seen that before never
0: seen that yeah there you go
1: um I so it's it. that little feeling of regret not like I don't really regret going even though it would, it was all of my fears were realized that's that by my like, kind of like epiphany one of right. my epiphanies while I was there so for from
0: take I guess uh comparing that back to work there there are going to be times where um you'll have basically a shit show at work. And there will be just all kinds of crazy things happen, stuff that you just didn't expect, um, things that have gone wrong that could have been avoided potentially. But you you got to learn something from those mistakes. something You learned something from that experience that you could then apply to the next time.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. I think that if I go camping again, check the radar.
0: Check the radar. Yeah, um,
1: hold it close <laughs> to my heart, and really, I'll believe it this time. I'll believe yep. it this time.
0: Try go. to pick. Try to pick a sunny okay. day. Um, That's important. Yeah, I've I've been camping in the rain. I went. I used to go camping, like I said, all the time. I Used to have a motorcycle, and me and my buddy Ash, we both had motorcycles, um, and we would take uh, our bikes up to uh, Percy Quinn State Park, which is a few hours outside of New Orleans in, in Southern Mississippi. Right on. Um, and uh, it rained. The whole two nights we were there for a weekend. It rained all the way there on our bikes, and it rained all the way back. It rained the whole time over there. It was—I um, tell you what—camping uh, in tents is—is is, 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 when it rains is miserable. Um, riding a motorcycle in the rain—it's <laughs> also pretty miserable. <laughs> I didn't think uh, about that. It it's just, like little miserable. stings. Was just, I was like, like, as just, you like, ride in your yeah. I mean, I had a helmet. It wasn't like him in the face, but like you could on your arm and every. Oh, it was miserable, and you're soaking wet, and you're cold, and yeah, it wasn't fun. But I wouldn't change it for the world, Derek. I wouldn't change it for the world. So we live in southern Kentucky or northern Kentucky, right? Which is still technically the south. But Kentucky was not part of the Confederacy. I don't know if you knew that. Not a lot of people know that. It's just a list. Um, So you don't see a lot of Confederate flags like you do down in in the south, (laughs) in the deep south. That's fair. I do see some every once in a while, which is strange. I'm just like Kentucky guys; it was not part of the Confederacy. I don't yeah. know why you have this flag up. Uh, this is not your history. <laughs> that you can't be proud of this history because it's not your history. Right. Um, anyway, when we would go camping in, uh, you know, outside of New Orleans, like I said, anywhere outside of New Orleans, you know, this is is pretty pretty much racist. It's uh, not everybody. <laughs> it's obviously. pretty it's a much racist. But um, when you drive through Mississippi, there are Confederate flags all over the place, and there are literally monuments with just, like, giant Confederate flags on the side of the interstate and big crosses, and it's just the strangest thing. Um, Clearly, Jesus would have been a a redneck, I'm sure. Um, Anyway, the nice thing about driving outside of Cincinnati— and even in Northern Kentucky, is you don't see a ton of Confederate flags. There are the, the Bible signs, <laughs> like, Jesus oh, yeah. will save you confused. Call Hell Jesus is real. That's but
1: the like, one we saw. Hell yeah, is it, real. I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> I've seen some that's like, actually, all the Ten Commandments on one billboard, which I, you can't read while you're driving <laughs> 70 miles an hour. So I don't see the point. But anyway, Just a reminder. Um, at least there aren't Confederate flags. Um I went on a canoe trip for my buddy's bachelor party. Uh, this was, got almost 10 years ago now. Um, we rented a canoe, me, well, a bunch of canoes. It was me and, like, five or six other guys. We rented a canoe, um, and this is in southern Mississippi. It was, like, two hours outside of New Orleans on the Wolf River. Um, and we get in a, you know, they, they put you in a, um, a truck uh, with okay. the canoes in the back, and they drive you, you know, 10, 15 miles up the river, and you get in the river and you camp along the, wherever you can find a spot. Um, and then, you know, a couple days later, you just stop at the place and you get out and give them the, their canoes back. So we did a two-night trip. <laughs> and, you know, these little rivers are very windy and they have all these sandbars where you can just kind of uh, stop and, and camp for the night. And it's generally public property. There's not a lot of people uh, that own, like, specific plots of land on these on these uh, rivers. So anyway, we got four canoes, I think, and we we're, like, coming around this bend. And all of a sudden, we just start to see rows of Confederate flags on flagpoles. All, of, like, imagine the curve of a river, and just, a, like, every 10 feet, a wow. Confederate flag. And then in the middle of this, like, bend in the river, there's three giant wooden crosses. Okay. Just imagine that for a second. <laughs> and how terrifying... That site is for someone who is not at all, uh, you know, uh, believes in any of that garbage. Clearly that was used for like a Ku Klux Klan rally. I I have no doubt in my mind. And we were just like, oh my God. I could just in my head, I could hear like, you know, like, like, city slicker, get them boys. You know, like just somebody in the background is waiting for us to shoot at us with like a shotgun or something. i was just like, paddle, hurry up. Let's get us far away. It was terrifying. Um, (laughs) But the nice thing about living up here is that you don't see that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> really you don't yeah that's true
0: um so anyway if you ever go on the wolf river just be careful of that one little bend in the river it's frightening
1: uh so let's move on to something else actually something you know I, I had another um epiphany while i was there i wanted to share okay. this with you while i was in that big massive cave mammoth cave mm-hmm. i'm walking around is it big it is mammoth mammoth okay massive <laughs> you go in the cave and it's actually pretty it's it's enormous it's like um yeah imagine like the size of when you go to like one of those uh orchestras yeah like uh you know like down in new orleans like you go to the big uh yeah orchestra like big hall, hall. Um, big
0: orchestra, the symphony hall
1: symphony hall yeah it's like a symphony hall and you uh you're walking in the symphony hall this giant place the 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 it's it was hot outside so the weather was really nice in there it was nice and cool um they had little plaques everywhere to tell you where to go. One thing that struck me when we were coming out is you know, there were little lessons as you were walking through like, you know, hey, these people did this at this time. This is this rock. This is this oh, thing. Wow, okay. And there was this sign where it showed how like, the different sediments uh, uh, over time had built up. And like, if you see this rock, it was from this period. If you see this rock, it's from this period. And it made me think a lot about Systems weirdly, because I'm a nerd.
0: Okay,
1: and I was <laughs> I was looking did, ar- I was looking around for someone to tell this to, and I couldn't find
0: anyone. <laughs> like nobody there care. You know who didn't care? Your Eagle Scout friend.
1: <laughs> uh, he didn't care. Uh, my wife, uh, God, God bless her, did not care. Um, uh, my son, who just wanted to play with his uh his his Iron Man toy, didn't care. And my daughter probably would have cared, uh, but she was running. She was way too far ahead. So, I looked at these things and. It was like you know the lowest one on on the, the stack you know whatever like the base, uh, the bedrock, uh, sediment. And I was like, man, that was the first, first piece of rock that existed, you know. And then this, right. you know, like uh, you know, rivers would flow and they would pour something on top, and then something else would go, and then trees would fall, and you know, like it's just like over the years, but it wasn't the same rock when it was originally formed sure it was a different substance just some dirt and you look at it now it's like it's it's a part of this rock structure it's a part of it it's a part of history you're sitting there looking at it but you can't really change it it's too hard it's too rigid you can't go back in and be like i'm gonna make the bottom rock green Mm -hmm. or i'm gonna make it softer or a different type of rock it was built up over time and it made me think about like when we build systems that are hard to change now, we look at them and they all have a history. It started off as a POC. It's everything it starts off with POC or an MVP. Yeah.
0: Of course. And then all
1: of a sudden you end up with this like 10 year monster
0: and you're <laughs> wondering why you can't mandate, scale
1: yeah. it to two AWS regions. Oh, because we started out with a POC. And we didn't We just started out with some dirt. Yeah. And what's interesting about it is that that code at the beginning of your project, it had a purpose, but over time, that purpose kind of shifts. It becomes like r- hardened and and rock solid, and everything everything above it relies on it being more stable. And so it it's not not even stable necessarily, but like more rigid in its form. It becomes right. not software but firmware. And then it becomes like almost like hardware. Uh, that that core piece of the core piece of your application and when you're early on in your software design if you don't think about that and we worked on this pro- problem together uh, before we weren't thinking about how users how customers we need to manage themselves how customers we need to assign different parts of the application to other users management of all that stuff we, we added that on later and we realized that everything else became so rigid that it was kind of tough to add it in. It wasn't as smooth a process. We didn't have, like, we weren't
0: you've thinking in the foundation, future. Yeah. you got this foundation set, but then you need to come back and add stuff to that foundation, but now you can't because there's so many layers that have built up over time on top of you it.
1: You end up having to get a big old machine, and dot, yeah. dig through the dirt all the way to the bottom, cost you
0: tons of money because that machine's expensive, that kind of so, thing. I'm curious about what your your ideas might be to, to alleviate this problem or, or to uh, circumvent this problem. Is, is, the, is the solution to make the foundational layer softer, less rigid, so that you can modify that over time? Or is the solution to think about those things so that it does get baked in to the solid foundation, even if over time that becomes more rigid?
1: Yeah, I mean, the solution can't be everyone has to be able to see the future. It can't right. be that because not everybody can see the future. Um, I would argue no one could, right? If you can't see the future, then what are your other options? It's it's about when you build things. And we actually talked to Dan North about this. Mm-hmm. When you're building foundational aspects of your system, those Cupid principles that he talked yep. about, composability, how, how easy is it to... Um, whatever all the other cupid things were. Don't don't Dan, if you listen to this, I'm so sorry. I don't have my, I don't have them <laughs> on hand. Um all the other principles, even even if you go back to like solid principles, is it is it um, is it principally sound, this core ass this core base of what you're building? Do you understand how your system would integrate with another system? Do you have that like clearly outlined? It's gonna change over time fundamentally, like not fundamentally, but it's gonna change over time what kind of systems you're gonna connect to. What are you thinking about that? Are you thinking that you are building the base rock for everything that's going to happen in the future, that this isn't a POC, that you're building the baseline for potentially like a five-year journey um, or, you know, before, you know, eventually inevitably they they try to create a next-gen version um, of what you're building, which is probably a next-gen version.
0: I'm not a systems architect, so you tell me if this is crazy. Instead of essentially treating it like mother nature and, and laying this foundation and having it be a solid thing, or maybe you could use an example of construction worker pouring a concrete foundation. That's not meant to be changed. Is it possible to think about a structure in a more modular way that allows you to swap pieces off that foundation and change them out? More like building blocks or Legos or something that you can actually pick apart and put something else in its place. Um, without having to crack the foundation if we want to continue that, that analogy break the foundation and, and have to rebuild it completely or, or you know I don't know is it, is it possible to do that from a systems architecture perspective is that is that even something that would
1: be possible it absolutely should be a goal to keep the system composable to keep mm-hmm. it separate to keep the pieces separate and themselves be very valuable by themselves each component and also be interoperable between the other components mm-hmm. of your system. What I was describing was what, your, what you shouldn't want your system to turn into. Right.
0: You don't want your system to become a well, strata, this, this hardened, hardened layer of strata over time.
1: In a sense, I want people to understand, too, that you may not have control over the future of your system. Mm-hmm. So you may not have control over what someone who gets in your role next will do. So as you're building the things you're building, if you're following you know sound principles of software development, which, again, there are a bunch of ways to do this. Domain-driven design. Dan North's brand-new Cupid method. Um, DanNorth.com. DanNorth.net. Sorry. <laughs> um, check it out. Uh, check it out. At Testapod on Twitter. So, yeah, no, like, um, which is a strange Twitter handle. Dan, strange. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the ideal situation was you you shouldn't see the sedimentary setup for your application. If you do, then everything's going to cost a lot of money. It's what I see, though, in every system that I experience. I see. And, and it's like, it's minor... Mistakes, which aren't really don't seem like mistakes at the time. For example,
0: butterfly effect, Derek.
1: Bro, it's a butterfly effect. It's it's butterfly effect, but it's not always you making the decision. Sometimes mm-hmm. the decision is imposed upon you, yeah. and that layer gets formalized. Like this is the platform that you're gonna have to adhere to. Well, you can think in your head. Well, I've saw I've seen somebody do this before, and then it switches to a different platform. So let me make sure I can move it easy. Let me build. The components of my system in a way that they can move easily to the next thing so I'm not stuck so this isn't the thing that sticks me that messes me up later when we need to integrate with other systems or expand the system don't let the don't let the things coming in at the beginning of your project or the mandates or the uh what seem like uh must-haves right don't let all that stuff prevent you in the future from expanding the system or making it more valuable um uh, because systems will, will are going to take on a life of their own you know and they have an inverse uh lifetime so once they're in production mm. their lifetime increases
0: oh, not right. decreases
1: yeah, yeah. you know we talked about yeah. that once once you rely um, on them
0: they they become more critical to keep yeah
1: working. and then you and it takes longer to kill them <laughs> um because so many people start or change on them, them. Or change uh, because, because
0: that that small change could affect any number of things right
1: Right. Anyway, that's the vibe I was going for. I think, Jeremy, thanks for pointing that out. Derek,
0: you need to write a blog post about this, dude. You're right. This is a blog waiting to happen, Derek.
1: Sediments of sedimentary software. software. Sedimentary, <laughs> software. sedimentary <laughs> software.
0: Sedimentary software. Sedimentary software. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, Derek, any plans to go camping again anytime soon?
1: Um, We do have a camping trip plan. It is the most Ooh. bougie camping trip um, you could possibly trip. plan where are you going? it is there's a hot tub there's a nice. pool table nice um there's a full kitchen and bar nice it is it's like uh, i'm going it's a with a cabin the, or a camping trip
0: <laughs> you're actually going oh, to a cabin
1: uh, oh yeah it's a camping trip in a cabin camping trip
0: in a cabin I'm yeah right.
1: yeah cuz you can go outside nature's right there at your That's fingertips right. where are you all what city where are you going we are going to hawking hills hawking hills nice dude yeah, so
0: yeah, they got a really pretty waterfall out there, a big waterfall that's uh, supposed to be really nice.
1: We are looking forward to it, and I don't know exactly when it is. I think it's in November or October, maybe. Oh, that's going to be nice, um, yeah.
0: Fall. Ooh, bam, man, those, those trees are going to be beautiful. Mm, mm, nice mm, trees. Mm. You know who's a big camper, man? Our, our good buddy Nate Batts. That's right. Friend My of the podcast, Nate, Nate Batts. He's got a lot, of, a lot of stuff, too, a lot of gear. Yeah, man. No, I love this. I You've inspired me, Derek, to get out there and go camping. Good man. I love it. You should. It's like one of my one of my things I'm most excited about living up here to be honest. Yeah, get out there. Um but yeah, this is a good this is a good uh, analogy, Derek. You always have the best analogies. Derek's analogies. I love them. They're the best. I appreciate you, Jeremy. We should do like a Twitter account just for your analogies. <laughs> just a bunch of tweets. Could do that. I'll let you do it cuz I'm not tweeting anything. <laughs> I refuse. So that's awesome. Man. I love this. This is a, um a uh, this is an in- intriguing uh, topic and I, I love that like something as, as simple as the strata uh, created by Mother Nature inspired such a profound insight.
1: Profound is uh, maybe a stretch. You, you but... are
0: a man amongst men, Derek.
1: <laughs>
0: He's really Keeping bumping up. this
1: up. And yeah. we're lucky to have you. Make sure make sure you like and subscribe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next time everybody uh, make sure you check us out, retrotimepodcast.com. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You leave a five star review, and Derek Siebert will write you a song. Uh, and again, uh, we can't tell you guys thank you enough for all the support. We truly, truly appreciate it, and we wouldn't do this without you. Um, to be honest, without you, there would be no point in this. Derek and I would just call each other up on the phone, and we just uh, we just bullshit for thirty minutes. Um, you know, but uh the only reason we record this and publish it is for you guys out there. So thank you again. Absolutely. And if you're getting something out of the show, make sure you tell a friend. Um, I think that's it, Derek. That's all I got.
1: all I got, too. Take it easy, everybody. All right, until
0: next time, y'all. All right, go camping.
1: All these things happening together, and I'm like, you know what? I could have stayed home. Hell is real. That's the one we saw. Hell is real. I was like, okay.